Japs look at the female boxing world. This is episode number 51 here on the Block Talk radio platform. My name is Felipe Leon, and with me, like always, is my co-host, Mr. David Avila. Hey, Felipe. How are you? Good. Thanks, David. How are you doing today? Very good. Very good. Good. Well, here we are, another episode. Some some good fights happen on uh, the last couple of weeks, we got a very busy upcoming couple of weeks. We have some news and notes for you guys. And we also have a very special interview with the newly crowned super middleweight champion for the WBC, Sean Cruz, who won the title just a week ago in Las Vegas on the first fight televised by ESPN, the first female fight televised by ESPN in 14 years. Mr. David Avila was in the house, so he's going to give us the uh, the scoop on that, but in about 15 minutes, the newly crowned WBC champion, Franchon Cruz, will be joining the show so she can give us all her uh, impressions of that night and obviously what's up for her uh, in the next coming months. So before we do that, and while we wait for her to give us a call in about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, we're going to go and go a little bit back in time to the fight results of the last couple of weeks, starting on Saturday, September 8th, from Croatia. A name that we have um, mentioned here on the show before, we, haven't, we don't know much about her just yet, but we do know that up to now she's still undefeated, even though, and we did talk about this fight last week, David, where Emma Kozin uh, scored or actually maybe even squeak by with the split draw against Iraiz Hernandez in a 10-rounder for the vacant WBC Silver 168-pound title. And the reason we mentioned this fight last time, David, if you recall, is because Iraiz Hernandez, even though she only has about four or five fights, she gave Maricela Cornejo, who just fought for the vacant full-fledged uh, title of that same belt, um, gave her all she could take. A couple months ago, maybe three, four months ago in Cancun, and now she goes all the way to Croatia and fights to a draw. And when you fight to a draw in the hometown of the A-side fighter, more than likely you ended up winning that fight, David. Uh, Yes, yes, apparently. Iraiz Hernandez is a pretty good fighter. She also had a draw against the heavyweight champion. So, I mean, it tells you this. This fighter is very, very good. Uh, she fights out of Mexico, uh, Tijuana, I believe, right? Uh, I think she's listed from Tijuana, but I think she's from a little bit farther south. Oh, okay. And from what I'm told uh, by people that have fought her, she's very awkward. But she's, a, you know, a real fighter, and she's unafraid of any, anybody. Well, there you go. I mean, she went all the way to Croatia. It might have just scored a win if it would have been anywhere else but in the in the home country of Emma Cozin. So let's see what is up for uh, these two fighters. Maybe they, there's there's a rematch or something of that nature. Just to let you sco- know, the scores there were 96-95 for Cozin, 97-96 for uh, 
Jorge Hernandez, and then an even 95-95 giving us the draw. Now, in Kenya, Fatima Sarika scored a split decision win over Mexican Jamiles Mercado in a 10-rounder, defending her WBC 122-pound title. The scores there were 99-91 and 97-93 for Sarika and a 96-94 for Mercado. So that was a very close fight. And what looked, I didn't get to watch the whole fight. I just saw snippets here and there, but it looked like a pretty enthusiastic crowd in Kenya. So uh, this Fatima Sarika is really making her name for herself, for herself in her home country. Now, the same night in Inglewood at the Fabulous Forum on the Boxing 360 or uh, 360 Promotions fight card, Luisa Haddon uh, was defeated with a split decision by Tijuana's own Brenda Flores in a 10-rounder for the vacant interim WBC 102-pound title. That's the atom weight that is the lightest division in boxing. The scores there were 97-93 and 96-94 for Flores, while the third judge side 97-93 for Hutton. David, you were in the house. I have my impressions. I watched that fight uh, on TV. You were actually in the building. I'm guessing a couple tables away from ringside. What were your impressions, and who did you see win that fight on Saturday night, September 8th? Well, I expected uh, Louisa Houghton to win, and I predicted that she would dominate. But uh, in the actual fight, uh, I scored uh, uh, Brenda Flores winning by 97-93. And um, it was one of those fights where she just got the better punches up. Uh, Louisa never stopped uh, trying to engage, and she would uh, snap up some, some combinations, but there were never the powerful blows that Brenda was landing. Brenda was mm-hmm. landing right to the right to the jaw and chin with counter punches, and Luisa was running into him. And uh, I had to give those rounds to Brenda. And two, uh, two judges apparently saw what I saw. Um, but I understand that people watching on TV could see it the other way, because unless you're there, you can't really hear the blows. And uh, Brenda was really landing some solid blows. Well, well, I actually, I watched it on TV, like you mentioned, and I did have it the other way. I had it 96, 94, I believe, for, for or 93, because Hodden did. Who went down? Hodden did? Or did somebody go down? Yeah. Yeah, Hodden did. But I did have it for her because I think the first half was very competitive. But I think the second half, even though Brenda Flores was boxing from her back foot, um, I believe that Hodden was the aggressor and she was landing um, some very good punches in combinations, whereas I felt that Flores was actually just throwing arm punches and really not landing anything big. But like you say, David, uh, once you're there, um, you get to hear the punches. But one thing about Flores, she's really not known as a power puncher. I mean, she only has one knockout yeah. in over 12, 13 fights. And, uh, but, you know, she is now the new vacant, I mean, the new interim WBC Adamweight champion, which I find it quite strange because actually about five, six days, actually 10 days ago, the WBC put out their rankings, um, which they try to do every month, but sometimes they fall behind and maybe a month and a half, two months goes by. But these are the rankings for the month of, uh, let me tell you here. These are the rankings for the month of September. And they already list of Brenda Flores as their champion, but they do list her as the interim champion where the, the actual full-fledged title is vacant. So I find that very, very interesting that 
you know, even though she won the title and the title, the full flex title is vacant, she's only getting she's only getting credit as the um, the interim champion, David. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. I mean, just make her the champion, and if they lose, they lose. But um, basically, they're downgrading their own fight. I mean, either it's a championship fight or not, and uh, that just doesn't make sense. Now, before the fight, there was a little bit of controversy. I mean, it was obviously it wasn't picked up by the mainstream boxing media, and it wasn't even picked up by much people, or maybe not many people noticed, or not many people cared. I mean, we are talking about the lightest weight in all of boxing, 102 pounds. I mean, even the male, the 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 man fighters, the male fighters, 105 pounds doesn't get a lot of, of play either. So now imagine female boxing at 102 pounds. But one thing that, that I did notice in, in the pre-fight and in the weigh-in was that Brenda Flores was listed as, uh, I believe, 102.4 pounds as her official right. weight. Well, obviously, she did go overweight. I think Luisa Haddon came in at 101.8, and she went over. So I was expecting for her to you know, go and lose that 0.4, which is a little bit less than half a pound, and um, and come back and reweigh herself. But when I contacted a representative of the WBC, they said that she didn't have to reweigh because, according to them, there's a rule by the WBC that they allow one pound of of um, of leverage either way for something very particular to female fighters and it's their menstrual cycle. Uh, if you don't know, but I'm sure you do is that women retain water while they are uh, during their time of the month or on their menstrual cycle. And because of that, they allow a pound of difference as far as the weight, which is something I've never heard of, David. I've been involved in some WBC world title fights. I've been at the weigh-ins. I've been at the pre-fight uh, meetings by, um, by the WBC and their supervisor. And I've never seen uh, or heard of this rule as part of being official by the WBC. I actually went on their website and they actually do have a WBC female website. And I looked at the rules and regulations there. And as of the September 7th, there wasn't a rule or any statement or any declaration of of that leverage of that pound. Now they also mentioned to me that it was discussed at the female boxing conventions, the two that the WBC has organized. And again, I've been to both of them, one in Cancun and one in Tijuana, and I've never heard of any discussion regarding that rule. And lastly, the representative of the WBC mentioned to me that there was that it, ha- it wasn't the first time that it happened. There had been several instances. So I asked them for a list of them, and to this day I have not received anything as far as any list or any or any example of at least one time that it had happened before, and that they let the fighter that did not make the weight still fight for the title because of that rule. David, have you ever heard of anything like that? No, I never heard about it, but I did uh, have a face-to-face meeting with Nancy Rodriguez from the WBC and with Pepe Suleiman for the WBC. And they explained to me that it is in the charter that they're the only organization that has that uh, for the reason that she stated earlier. And that they said that that rule has been in their charter for a number of years, but that they 
they don't often have to use it, but it says that it is there. Um, I, you know, I haven't seen it physically, but uh, it makes sense. To me, it does make sense because I have seen women on their menstrual cycle actually be unable to make weight uh, because of that. And uh, I, I've seen it several times. And um, it makes sense, especially in, in lieu of the fact that there was a woman last year, exact, almost exactly a year ago in San, San Francisco, that was uh, on her menstrual cycle and that she tried to lose weight and she didn't drink water and she ended up collapsing and falling on her head and and uh, being sent to the hospital in an emergency. So uh, there, there's a reason it makes sense to me. Um, if, if that's what they're saying it is, I think it's a good rule, actually. If they put it in their charter, they should, you know, make it more knowledgeable to everybody. And maybe the other organizations should follow suit, too. But, uh, I agree. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, yeah. I, I agree with you. It's not a bad rule. I actually think it's a good rule. But – you know, if it is in their charter or not, it's not on their female boxing website. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, that rule doesn't pertain to the men. The men are never going to have that issue. So why wouldn't you make it public on the rules section of your female boxing website? That's one thing. And the second thing that I was told by the WBC is that it was part of their contract, that in the female boxing contract, that it stated there that that rule can happen. Well, one one thing is that, the fighter doesn't sign a contract between themselves and the WBC. They sign a contract between right. themselves and the promoter. That's one thing. And True. second, um, I've actually seen world title female uh, WBC uh, contracts, and there's no mention mm-hmm. of that rule. So I'm, 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 I'm okay with the rule, and the rule makes sense, but don't make it seem like it, it's, it's um, common knowledge that this rule exists in their charter because there's no – there's no indication that it does. Now, lastly, my question with that is that if you're giving a pound to a 102-pound uh, fighter, you know, because she may or may not retain water during her menstrual cycle, are you just going to give a pound to a 168-pound title uh, uh, fighter, or do they get more allowance because obviously bigger women are going to retain more water? So, I mean, those are the things that need to be clarified uh, if, they, if it is actually a rule. On paper, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you're saying also on paper. Yeah, have it on paper. You know, like you know, for have it. Uh, you know, um, I mean, I'm I'm sure you're gonna have to do some kind of study to see how much water a a 168 pound female fighter can retain uh, because of the menstrual cycle. I mean, if she comes in five pounds overweight, she's gonna convince you that that she's re- she's retaining. Five pounds of water, you know. So right. I think, so I think those things need to be clarified if this is a rule that they're actually going to have in place. But I mean, we might have somebody on the phone that can answer that question and even mention to us if she's even been told of that rule. And that's none other than the newly crowned WBC Super Middleweight Champion, Miss Franchon Cruz. And I'm going to patch you in right now, Miss Cruz. Are you there? Oh, yes. Am I in trouble? <laughs> Oh no! Actually, the only reason I I I, I call you Miss Cruz is because I'm not a hundred. I actually you're a Mrs. So Mrs. Cruz, I'm not a hundred percent sure how to pronounce your first name, and I don't want to mess that up. So my name is Mrs. 
Franchon Cruz Desern. There you go. Ms. Franchon Cruz Desern is with us here on the Two Minute Round. Our first time that we have her here, and we're very thankful. And she is the newly crowned WBC Super Middleweight Champion. Franchon, I'm going to pass you on now to my co host, Mr. David Avila. Hey, how are you doing? I'm Congratulations good. again. Thank you. So, so Thank you're in you Colorado. For... How's it going there? Yeah, it's wonderful. I'm actually here, um, even though I transitioned into the professional ranks. Um, I'm uh, the athlete representative and a liaison between, you know, USA Boxing and the United States Olympic Committee. So I'm out here, you know, speaking on behalf of the athletes and retaining information that can assist, you know, the up-and-coming amateurs around the country. I noticed on Instagram that you're friends with Liz Cavado. I didn't know that. Liz Cavado? Uh, Liz Cavado, who was on the USA team also. Yes. I guess when oh, wow. I had no idea. Yes. Me, and her, me and her go way back when I first made the uh, the national team and she was like the introduction to me, like one of those badass Latinas that can fight and she didn't take any jumps. So I I love her long time. Yeah, she actually used to be a co-host with us. Huh? She actually used to be a co-host with us uh, several she years just, ago. She, yeah, she's amazing. She's amazing. Yeah, she's a she's a really uh, uh, great personality, and she was a great fighter for people that never saw her fight. I think she won four or five yeah. national titles. In a row. <laughs> she was like, yeah. a little, like I came up with her and we went to Russia together and like you know I was a new kid on the block but her and like uh, Tiffany's you know out of Louisiana like these girls were hot girls when I came out and um, a fun fact with her she actually met her husband on an international trip. Yeah. So, so what? A lot of people don't realize that there is a difference between professional and amateur boxing. Uh, could you tell the audience uh, what what the differences are for um, for those fans that like boxing? They think they're, they're the same, but what are the differences between amateur and, bo- and pro boxing? Well, what professional uh, boxing means that you get a license, like you have to be licensed to fight. Um, with amateur boxing. You don't get paid to fight. You know, some of the national team members or elite boxers may get a training stipend, training, but they're not getting paid to fight. Professional boxing, you have a license, you're an independent contractor, and when you fight, you have to sign a contract to fight. With amateur boxing, you can't pick who you want to fight. You sign up for a tournament, you have to fight your way to the top, no matter if you draw the number one seed or you draw the number 10 seed. With professional boxing, you know, you have more of a lead way to decide who you want to fight or who you don't want to fight. There are mandates like with uh, – go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Yeah, no, with mandate? professional, like I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning like, um, you know, when you get like say I'm, now I'm the world champion – Maybe one day I'm ordered to fight a certain person, but, you know, I'll choose who I want to fight. 
Yes, I see. And, and what about the actual fighting in the ring? What are the differences? What what are certain things that you notice? Like the first time when you stepped in against uh, Clarissa Shields, uh, for the audience that don't know, Franchon made her debut against Clarissa Shields, who made her debut against Franchon, and this was in Las Vegas. What, what was the difference when you first stepped in the ring and you, what – what could you tell people about that? Well, I think what, the fact that we both came straight out of the amateurs, we kind of took that fight as like a professional. Like we, we fought like amateurs, only different we didn't have headgear on. Me personally, as I, you know, progressed in my professional career, I realized even though it's still two minutes, you have to pace yourself. You have to land more effective punches like, you know, we can flurry and throw a lot of fast punches, but the judges want to see effective blows. You can take your time a little more because you have longer rounds. You know, you start off with four rounds, but you start fighting six and eight and ten rounds, so you have more time. You have to pace yourself, and um, you just have to be, yeah, just pace for me. But honestly, it's the same crap, different toilet. I'm going to strap up my gloves, and I'm going to fight. <laughs> <laughs> what was the difference in terms of uh, when you fought against Clarissa Shields at this massive arena, and then you fought at the Hard Rock? What uh, what was the feeling in the, when you went for your world title fight? Um, when I fought Clarissa at uh, T-Mobile Arena, the energy was huge because you had Andre Ward fighting Kovalev, and uh, it was big, but. What I'm grateful for is I fought on very large stages. I competed at the world level as an amateur. So I just took that feeling and tried to, you know, relate it to fighting in the T-Mobile arena. But it was electrifying. Like, I had celebrities coming up to me afterwards. Um, it was a great experience, and I, I, I thrived from it. But at the um, Hard Rock Cafe, it was more intimate. I, I looked at it. It was a grand. Um, it was a grand presentation by Golden Boy ESPN, but it was more of an intimate club show. So that's what I. Even though it was a world title fight, I just took it as like more of a club show. So I don't make the situation bigger than what it was. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and what about um, knowing when you, when you're introduced as the uh, Challenger, both both of you were introduced as challengers for the WBC World Title. Um, what was that like? Did it did it sink in? Hey, I'm fighting for the World Title. Um, like I told everyone, this is something that I envisioned months ago. This is something that I worked hard for. So when it happened, it was just like, oh, it actually happened. Okay, I did it. I I think I'm still on the high because <laughs> I, you know. I'm still on the high because I go home like, oh, snap, this is my belt. Um, I think once maybe if I, you know, when things start opening up for me and I possibly sign a contract with a a promoter or, you know, run into some sponsorships, you know, it's going to process those when I'm in Colorado. I really haven't had time to just take it all in, honestly. One one of the things uh, that uh, most fans don't get to – experience is sitting by the corner. I was like right under your corner. So I could hear all the instructions and all the the the, the excitement and <laughs> everything. You heard my husband and my 
Somebody was yelling. There was more than one voice yelling. <laughs> yeah. What well, what's it like when when you're in a corner? They're explaining all this stuff to you, and then they're while you're fighting, they're still shouting instructions to you. What's it like to to hear somebody and and you have somebody in front of you trying to knock your head off? And and what's that feeling like? Well, once again, I tried to to uh, my amateur experience and having a great relationship with my corner. Like, I could pick my husband's voice out of anybody, my coaches, and we have fun. As long as it's fun for me, I'm good. If my coaches panic, if my if my husband panics, then I have a problem. So I'm just grateful for a corner that's, that's good with big situations. They're world-class trainers, and my husband, he's a, he's a fighter himself. So we just keep a, a sound mind and keep the lines of communication open so if we need to make a just marry, unfortunately, she kind of blocked her corner out, which was very detrimental to her performance. But I said, look, I'm out here fighting. I need to listen to my corner. They're going to tell me if I need to pick it up or put it down or what's going on, you know. So I just really mm-hmm. try to keep my mind open for them. And, and what's it been like uh, when you went home? When you finally went home with his, with his green belt, uh, what was it like? Did you go to the gym? Yeah, I definitely did, and I had fighters like Anthony Peterson, um, you know, him and his brother Lamont Peterson. Lamont Peterson had actually talked to me before I left, and, you know, he like, look, go as far as you need to go. And I took it back to the, took the belt to the gym and the kids. Everybody was so happy. And I just wanted them to see the hard work kind of pays off, you know. Well, yeah, I, I bet you that was a pretty exciting to show the kids, too. You know, it, it brought smiles to the children, the adults, because you have other fighters that's about to fight. And, you know, it just gave them inspiration that they can touch a world champion. It could be that close. And that's all you need. You know, you need to know that it's obtainable. It's not just a, 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 a far-fetched dream. And, and just several months ago, for those people that don't know, um, several of your fights dropped out one after another after another. And uh, I remember reading on social media about it, and I was thinking, man, you know, that's one of the things about women's boxing. You, there's nothing that you, that's confirmed. Anything could happen. It could drop out. What were your feelings at that point when all these fights kept dropping out? I just felt, I just felt like I was seeing my peers get back-to-back fights, and I never envy anyone. I never other girls are able to get fights. Like, it was, you had girls, Callie fighting multiple times. Callie Reese, you had Raquel Miller, you had Clarissa was fighting. Like, all these girls were fighting in my weight class. And I'm like, I can understand if I didn't have a promoter, but I had a promoter who had the means. And why was everyone else able to get a fight and they couldn't find me a fight? I have a passport. I'll travel. I do whatever I need to do, you know. So I just, I just, it was breaking my heart, you know. Yeah, I could sense okay. that. Did you have a question, Panika? Yeah, I'll fin- I have a, I have a ton of questions, but I'll finish for you until, until you're done, David. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, what was that, uh, Francesca? Yeah, I was saying, like, uh, most fighters, male and female, you know, when you're independent, unless you have, like, a huge following and you can sell many tickets, you know, you go through things like that. But when you sign with a promoter, that's supposed to be your muscle. That's supposed to be the machine behind it that can get you fights and put the money up. 
and you know, I I I guess I got too fine. I'm like, okay, now everything's gonna be okay, but you still have to stay on your grind, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you feel that women's boxing as a whole is moving forward, or or it does it still need a lot of work in your estimation? Oh, I mean. Any progress is good progress in my eyes, and I feel women's boxing is definitely moving forward, especially like with the fight with with myself and, and Maricela. Um, it, it's it's going to be a long road, you know, and I hope I'm just here long enough to help push women's equality for exposure for you know equal purses and and things of that nature. But we we're coming a long way. You had our fight was like the first world title fight in 17 years on ESPN. Then you had yeah. Cecilia Burkett and Callie Reese, the first the first ones on HBO. And you had Clarissa with a Showtime deal and Lady Hand. Like, that's big stuff, you know? Oh, yeah. That wasn't happening two years ago. <laughs> yeah, and it's quality fights. Like, they're entertaining. I love the fact that everyone's tuning in and supporting because it's showing that people are interested in good fights. And it shows in the numbers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What was your question, Felipe? Well, I have a, a couple of questions. Uh, going back to the fight, Frenchon, um, were you surprised? Because, I, I mean, I was super excited to see this fight. I mean, in my eyes, I mean, David and I are big female boxing fans. Obviously, we follow every fight. We have this show. It's part of our job. And we were actually discussing this fight before it happened, like a week before on our on our on our show, that we couldn't really decide who was going to win because although you have the experience with the amateurs and, and somewhat more skillful fighter uh, with experience and the technique, Maricela had that advantage of his, uh, her height and her experience as a professional, and then her opponent right hand. But so we were like, we were up in the air about who we thought was going to be a really close, hard foul, hard foul <laughs> fight. And then it ended up just being a, a I mean, I'm not going to say a straw in the park for you, but, you know, you dominated the fight. So were you surprised that once you got in the ring and, and Maricela uh, wasn't really doing what we thought she would do? Um, were you surprised because of that? No. <laughs> No, I wasn't surprised. I mean, honestly, I'm surprised that she lasted that long, and I'm going to charge that to, you know, my my technique wasn't sharp. I wouldn't throw the right hand straight. But, um, no, I wasn't surprised at all. I mean, at the end of the day, I felt that she was mentally weak. I knew that all she had was, like, a right hand. And she wasn't she – wasn't, her IQ, her boxing IQ isn't that high. Like, you can do – when you put in certain situations, adaptability is a strength, and she just didn't have that strength. I, I'm, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm surprised that I didn't stop her, but that's another, that's another situation. Well, yeah, she's proven in the but past she that actually, she has a pretty. I will say, I will say this: she did improve from her last fight. You know, she did try, and I, I applaud her for having heart. You know, she stayed in there, but um, no, I wasn't surprised. Now, you've had um, five fights, and you mentioned to David that this is something you envisioned for yourself and as far as the fight and becoming a world champion. But did you envision it happening so fast in your fifth fight, already calling yourself a world champion? Um, so 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of my peers do it. I saw Lomachenko, you know, I was an amateur at the same time he was an amateur. And if he was able to fight and, and be a world champion by his third fight, why can't I? You know, Clarissa, she, she became a world champion like her fourth fight. And I know I'm I'm on the same level. Why can't I? And um, it's just a difference. Like, women's boxing, a lot of the pro girls either went pro because they couldn't beat some of the elite amateurs or there wasn't enough opportunities for them to fight. So it, it, it balanced out. You'll have a girl like Mary with 14 fights, and you have me with four fights, but that's where our experience meets. You know, we have we, we kind of balance each other out. Now, let's go back a little bit, because you did mention Clarissa Shields, who, you know, for everybody who knows and follows female boxing, she is the poster woman for female boxing to a certain sense in the United States, and a lot of it has to do with those two gold medals that she won in the Olympics with you there showing her support was another big time amateur, very popular who became now a professional in Marlene Esparza, who was there uh, showing her support to you in this last five years. But why don't you tell the audience, first of all, how'd you got into boxing? And second, what were your accomplishments? This is your chance to pat yourself on the back. And what were your accomplishments actually in the amateur ranks? Well, yes, I started boxing to lose weight because I I can sing. I'm a professional singer, and I wanted to be like Destiny's Child and Beyonce, but I didn't look like them, so I had to lose weight. Um, and I used to get in trouble in school for fighting, so boxing and fighting came natural to me. Um, I started out in 05, and I was a eight-time U.S. Open national champion. I've won the national power uh, three times. Three or four times, I won the female national Golden Gloves four times. I'm a five-time Pan American uh, gold medalist, and I'm a two-time world medalist at multiple weight classes. I've won championships nationally and internationally at 154, 165, and 178. Hmm. So I won, you know, pound for pound best amateur fighter. That there have been in the female ranks. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you faced Clarissa Shields as a professional. What other female fighters that are professional now did you uh, face in the amateurs? Um, I fought Raquel Miller mm-hmm. and Clarissa, and I don't know. I think oh, it's another girl out of Jersey that I that I stopped in the amateurs, but I don't think a lot of the girls have gone pro or I don't know. That's a good question. I don't want to hold up time thinking it, overthinking it, but yes. Yeah, <laughs> you, uh, you didn't face Samantha Marshall from England? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and Savannah. Savannah, we fought. Savannah. I actually fought. Yeah, I fought her in London and I, I quote unquote lost by two points, but I was winning going to the last round, so I fought her in London. And that's her home country. No shade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because um, I mean, her her claim to fame, her claim to fame is that she's technically the only woman that's ever beaten Clarissa Shields. Yeah, style makes fights. Like, you know, I, I quote unquote lost by two points. Clarissa lost by like six points. You know, styles make fights. Um, any any elite amateur or any 
yeah, I probably fought them from Canada, okay. from South America, all over. Okay. Now, you know when when they start when you after you won the title, they started mentioning your story. You mentioned that you didn't have a promoter, and you actually confirmed they're here. But I actually do remember that it was. At least for us that follow female boxing, it was a big news when it was it was um, announced that Salido Promotions, who's also the promoter for Clarissa Shields, has signed you. So obviously now it looks like you guys have split. Was it you asking for your release because you weren't getting the fights you felt you deserved, or did he release you because maybe he felt that he couldn't uh, provide enough fights for two? Uh, female fighters around the same weight class, obviously speaking of Clarissa Shields? Well, I mean, obviously that can't be true because he signed Christina Hamber also, and she's able to get her fight. And the only reason she didn't fight on previous cards is because she didn't have her visa. Um, I asked asked for the release. I I pursued it uh, relentlessly. And it's no hard feelings. He was very understanding and, and wished me the best of luck. Even when I won my belt, he texted me. You know, everything isn't for everybody sometimes. And, you know, I'm glad Clarissa and, and Christina Hammer have an opportunity and a platform to shine. My journey's a little different, you know, and I'm I'm where I'm supposed to be. But it just wasn't the right spot for me at this moment. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of that journey, obviously now as a world champion, you have to defend that title within a certain amount of time. Um, without a promoter, that has become difficult for other fighters, other female fighters who have actually had to relinquish the titles that they won in the ring, and they would have to relinquish them outside the ring. Quickly coming to mind, Melissa McMorrow twice, being a WBO champion, she won the title twice, and she had to relinquish it twice because she couldn't defend it. Also, Kalisha West, another fighter that couldn't defend her title, and she ended up losing it. So is that something that you and your team have talked about and has it crossed your mind that eventually, I mean, right now you're basking in the glow of being a newly crowned world champion, but eventually you're going to have to figure out how you're going to defend it without a promoter. Have you guys thought about that? Definitely, I've had two, two, two people, two promoters reach out to me, you mm. know, so far. You know, I'm still fresh. I'm going to actually... Uh, get in contact with the WBC so I can see the protocol because I would I'm not going to give it up that easy like as hard as I work to get it but I mean it's 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 things to do it's opportunities that that that's out there for me it's just I'm just living a journey but I, I I'm not going to let it go like that <laughs> now Speaking of a protocol, uh, before you got on the air with us, we were talking about a rule that the WBC had mentioned that they employed in another WBC fight. Uh, I believe it was uh, a couple, well, about five days before yours, where according to them, they allow for extra weight uh, for women if they're on their menstrual cycle. Were you told of this rule when you were getting ready for this fight and at the contract signing or the weigh-in? <laughs> no, my rule said you got to be one. It wasn't even a 168 plus one or 168 minus one. It's 168 on the dot. Um, that's something new for me. And, I mean, I take my my craft very seriously. And the amateurs, you know, you can't be overweight. They don't care about your menstrual, especially if we're fighting for equality. You have to do what you have to do, you know. Maybe it, it counts. You can't have that extra glass of water. You can't eat that, that last meal. But I've never heard of that. 
Okay. And my last question, Fran. My last question, Franchon. Um, you know, what's next? When when should we hope to see you again in the ring defending that WBC title? Well, I would like to fight uh, in December, at least another time before the end of the year. But you know, like like you said, I'm in a precarious situation where I don't have a promoter. So I really want to get my my business straight before anything and, you know, see if there's other opportunities and other platforms for me to flourish. Like, I would love to have a career like Layla Ali or Cecilia Burkett and, and, you know, unify. But, I I mean, people will probably see me as a danger, so I just have to get my business situated first. But I would love to fight before the end of the year. You mentioned you're a singer. What kind of music do you perform? I sing R&B, but I listen to everything. I listen to everything. I listen to mariachi. I listen to country music. I listen to classical music. If it sounds good, I like it. Now, what what uh, most people don't know is, uh, uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, go ahead. Most yeah, people no, don't know ahead. that uh, Franchon was a, a participant in American Idol. Oh, yeah. And Who did so you he's an excellent singer. Wow. And, and yeah, can we, so I'm sure that we can, can we find that audition or, or any of your performances on YouTube or any other social media? I don't know. I don't know. You probably can Google and find some stuff. Like, I have old videos of YouTube. Um, once I started boxing, I just kind of put everything into boxing. But I have my own personal song that I recorded. It's on SoundCloud. Okay. Under your... Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Now, let me tell you this. I don't know if you knew this, but you're the promoter of your last fight, won Oscar de la Hoya, was the world champion, and also he won a Grammy. How, what do you think about that? What did he win a Grammy for? For singing. He he put out a, a Spanish-language uh, uh, album. I think it were like pop pop ballads, you know, like kind of like, like, uh, oh, like love songs yeah. in Spanish. And he won a Grammy. Did you know that, David? Yeah, but to about the year 2000, I think it was. Yeah, about 20 years ago. So you can look for that, Franchon, because he did win a Grammy. See, uh, see, yo, yo puedo hablar español, pero necesito practicar. Um, mucho me gusta Beyonce cuando ella encantar en español. Oh. See, I should That's just pretty I did read. I did read that she spoke Spanish. So let's let's have a little bit of a Spanish interview. Franchon, eh, de dónde vienes? ¿Dónde naciste? ¿En qué ciudad? Where did I what? Oh, where were I, you born? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Virginia, pero yo vivo in Baltimore, Maryland, El Centro. Ah, okay. Very <laughs> good. Mi español es muy mala porque yo aprendí el español uh, solamente. Yo usar mi libro, uh, ver televisión y practicar con mis amigos. Pero necesita ir a escuela en la mm. Very good, very good, Franchon. Uh, and, and that's perfectly fine for you. I mean, you speak it well enough that if you were in um, in Mexico and you needed to get around, people would understand what you're saying. I mean, you do say well, a couple of yeah, you, they would understand what you're saying. You you would be able to get around. So, and that's how I learned it. Uh, mm-hmm. 
because I used to, for boxing, I traveled into Spanish-speaking countries in Mexico. I've been to Argentina, uh, Ecuador. So they they just spoke Spanish to me. So <laughs> I had no choice but to learn something. Yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, I watched the fight on TV on ESPN. David was there in the house with you. And I can see that you were talking to Maricela in the fight. Were you trash talking in Spanish? <laughs> no, I didn't say I didn't say anything to her. My uh, The referee fussed at me. He was fussing at me because I looked at the TV. So I was like, I'm sorry. And he fussed at me about when, when uh, she went to the ground. And he was just fussing at me. So, I, I yeah, I don't try. I don't trash talk because if I have to trash talk, that means that somebody's getting into my mental. But mm. I might slip out and say the B word if it's that serious. But I, I haven't had to do that. <laughs> well, there you go, David. <laughs> You have anything else for the newly crowned WBC 160-pound champion? 68 pounds. Uh, yeah. yeah. 68, yeah, exactly. Uh, are, are you going to be visiting the WBC in Los Angeles anytime soon? I don't know. I think I think I'm gonna travel more. I, I got to do something in New York. I think I just I just really want to honestly. I want to see a representation of you know for the federation, not just the WBC, just for female boxing. I'm not perfect. I'm a real one. Put it that way. I'm a, I'm a representation of Carl Worden. You know. And it, it showed up uh, last week, and congratulations yeah, not, again, Brenda. I'm not out here. I, I'm cute, and I can be sexy, but I'm not selling that. I'm just a good combination of looking good, fighting good, being great. <laughs> before we let you, before we let you go, Sean, why don't you tell our audience where they can find you, your social media, how they can follow you, and keep up with the new WBC champ? Yes, and I just want to. Really send love to my Hispanic community. Thank you for embracing me and all the positive messages. And for everybody, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the H H D I V A. That's T H E H H D I V A. And on Facebook, it's Franchon, the heavy hitting diva cruise design. And there you go, folks. Uh, we thank you, Franchon. Hopefully, it's not our, your first visit with us here on the two minute round. And we wish you all the luck in the world. All right. Thank you. Have a good night, guys. You too. Have you a good too, night. Pleasure. There All you right. go. And the very uh, eloquent and charismatic Franchon Cruz with us there, the WBC super middleweight champion. And you know what, David? I feel vindicated by what she said about the rule because, I mean, this fight was five days after mm-hmm. the conversation that I had with the WBC and didn't even bother to tell uh, French Ron, that she had that option, if case may be. Yeah, very, uh, that's true. That's very true. I wonder if they keep that like as some true. kind of uh, safety. Yeah, or maybe they don't want to mention it because, you know, right. um, because they don't want people to take advantage. But then that's counterproductive, David, because if you have the rule to try to protect a woman to not go – to not to dehydrate themselves too much to make the weight. If you don't tell them beforehand they have that option, then you're you're hurting them anyways. Yeah, possibly, possibly. That's one of those things that's just I don't know has to be studied. Yeah, I agree. So there you go. Uh, 
That was Miss Franchine Cruz. We thank her for being on the show with us. Very, she's very uh, fun, and uh, and she did gave us a lot of insight. Very confident about herself. But now we move on to the same night on September 8th, going back to the fight results at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. Amanda Serrano scored a unanimous decision over Argentinian Jamila Esterreynoso for the vacant WBO 140 pounds. Scores there were 99-91 three times, and obviously this gives Serrano her sixth world title in as many divisions, making her the first woman to do so. And David, you know, it was expected. You know, we had talked about it. You actually thought that maybe she would have a little bit of a harder time just because she was going up to 140, or maybe that was maybe the danger zone for her. But obviously it, it wasn't that. She ended up dominating the fight. Now, the interesting thing about her winning the fight about a week later, actually, was it a week later? No, the next day, oh, no, a week later, yeah, a week later from September 8th, um, she actually put out a challenge for the newly, well, not the newly crowned, but she defended her title, Raja Amashe uh, of Jordan, but she fights out of um, Germany. She's a WBO 115-pound title. She ended up defending her title against former world champion Linda Laura Lecha, of Peru with uh, dominating scores of 190 and 97, 93, two times. And Amanda Serrando put it out on the boxing universe that she might be willing to go down to even 115 and look for another title. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, she did mention it uh, several times. She even had mentioned Naoko Fujioka, but I think the, uh, fighting under the WBO, uh, this is probably the, the more easier fight to make um, for for her or and her something that she can do because she's a super champion according to Amanda uh, because she was the fighter of the year I think she she's winning that award again this year that uh, she gets to uh, pick and choose you know whatever she wants to fight whoever she wants to fight I think she can make the weight yeah and you know I mean that would be about that would be sub- quite impressive because she did go down to 118 and she won the title there. But for her to drop three more pounds, that would be pretty uh, pretty impressive. Now, she did mention that she will be back on in the cage because, as you all well know, yeah. she has made a venture into MMA. And she'll be back in the cage, I think, in mid-October in Phoenix, Arizona, in her second MMA fight. The first one, and, uh, it ended in a drop in Tucson. Yeah, on the 13th. Tucson. Yeah. And she'd be fighting a Mexican with a record of two and one in MMA. And obviously, uh, Serrano's record in MMA is zero wins, zero losses, one draw. So we'll see how she does there. She has been training um, and, and trying to learn that craft for quite a while. Her first uh, outing uh, didn't go as planned. She ended up fighting to a draw, but she did fight a tough opponent. And now she's going to try to get her first win in that in uh, in MMA. So. Going back a little bit, Thursday, September 13th, Hard Rock Hotel and Casino, ESPN2, Maricela Cornejo dropped the majority decision to Franchon Cruz. Uh, Franchon Cruz became the new WBC 168-pound title by scores of 99-91, two times in 95-95. David, you were there. You talked about uh, about it a little bit with Franchon, but I ask you the same question I asked Franchon. Obviously, obviously, she was confident. She thought she could, you know, she had to go in the in the ring knowing that she was better than Maricela Cornejo, but were you surprised by Cornejo's uh, performance? 
Uh, yes, I was. I expected a little bit more. I think uh, I think basically Maricela could have done more. Uh, I think she put the wrong style. Uh, I think she kind of neutralized herself by by giving movement instead of uh, staying in the pocket. Uh, I don't know if that was the trainer's plan or her plan or or maybe it just something she adapted to when the fight start started. But I thought if she just stayed in, stayed right there in the pocket and traded punches, her strength to me is her her ally. That's her biggest strength. Her her actual power. She's a very strong fighter, and I think she kind of neutralized herself by by moving. And Branshaw, uh, and she fought her fight. She went straight forward and was the attacker and the aggressor. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, one thing to be said about Marcelo Conejo's performance is that she didn't mention afterwards. And she didn't mention that an excuse. She was just kind of explaining what happened. And she mentioned that after there was a little bit of a tussle in the first couple of rounds because, like you mentioned, um, Cornejo was giving some movement. Franchon Cruz was very aggressive moving forward. Cruz the shorter of the two. She ended up holding Cornejo, and there was a little bit of a tussle, and she ended up uh, throwing Cornejo down onto the canvas. And we've seen it before in other fights. And uh, Cornejo mentioned after the fight that, or even during the fight, she had mentioned to her corner, because they were asking her to do certain things and she wasn't doing them, and she mentioned to her corner that she was feeling back spasms and she was feeling some pain in her legs after that little tussle that landed her in the canvas. So that is one thing there that, you know, that Cornejo mentioned during and after the fight. And also, obviously, Cruz mentioned it during our interview that Cornejo basically tuned out her her um, her trainers and wasn't really following their instructions, and she ended up just fighting her own fight, and the result was her losing a majority decision to Franchon Cruz and losing that opportunity for a world title. On yeah. Friday, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I expected a very, very uh, exciting clash, but it wasn't that. I agree with you. I was expecting a lot more, and it was pretty disappointing that we didn't get it. But, you know, stuff like that happens in boxing all the time. Now, on Friday, September the 14th, there was a little bit of an upset when Jorgelina Guanini scored a United decision win over Deborah Anaí de Onicicios, uh to go, capture the... Yeah, captured the IBF 115-pound title. The scores were 96-94 two times and 96-94. Actually, it was a split decision. So it was 96-94 two times for Guanini and 96-94 for Dionysius in Argentina. Raja Amache over Linda Laura Lecha. Now she continues to be the WBO 115-pound title. And that was on Friday. And from the Karakian Hall in Tokyo, Japan, Naoko Fuyoka scored unanimous decision over Mexican Irma Laguerita Sanchez for in a 10-rounder, defending her WBA 112-pound title. Scores there were 193 times. Fuyoka actually challenged um, uh, Amanda. Serrano, Amanda, but did she challenge her at 115 or 112? Because I, I would find it almost impossible for Serrano to hit 112. Uh, no, no. Uh, she was willing to meet her at 115. That's what was they, it was discussed in August, but I think uh, Amanda changed her mind, and she wants to fight for Raja uh, Amisha instead. 
Raja won't fight her. I can almost guarantee you that Raja won't fight her. There's no, no Raja is a, has a has a pretty good following in um in um in Germany. I think she fights on TV. I think she makes pretty good money. She has a good team around her. And I'll tell you one thing. One time I had a conversation with Raja in um at the Tijuana convention, in the WBC Tijuana convention that was held. Uh, I think it was the beginning of 2017. Yeah, and so. you know during that during that convention they had they were talking or was it sixteen? Well, they were talking about 16. I think it was it was sixteen. They were talking about yeah. the flyweight tournament during that convention. It was still a um an idea, and they were talking about organizing that tournament. And when Ibella Roca Zamora mentioned that she was going to go to flyweight and find that tournament, Roca told me personally that that if, if Ibeza Zamora moved up to 112 pounds, that she would leave the division because she wouldn't want to fight her. Not because, I don't think because she, th- she felt that she was that tough, but she felt she was a dirty fighter that used her head and things like that, and she didn't want to fight her. And at that time, Raja was fighting in the WBC world. She was actually the silver champion at 112 pounds, and she ended up losing that title um, to Ana Arrazola during the tournament, and then she moved on to the WBO in 115 pounds. So I think that Raja has options, and I don't think an option for her will be to fight one of the best fighters in the world in Amanda Serrano. Oh, that's a good point. Very yeah, good point. so I, and, and we all know that Amanda Serrano does have trouble, get, uh, you know, making enough money to entice certain fighters to fight her. One comes to question, Jelena Miranovic. So I don't see how she could offer enough money to Raja, who has a pretty good following in Germany, to fight her and, and put up that WBO title. Yeah, well, that's a good point, Trump. And uh, funny, ironically, Neoko has won the WBO title two times in different weight classes. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, yeah. maybe it'll end up being her anyway. <laughs> or, or, I would say go up to 118 and fight for that one. But, you know, one thing, Amanda Serrano already won that one. And the 118 yeah. pound is actually held by Argentina's um, uh, Dalila Romina Bermudez. So yeah, we'll see what happens. And actually, Neoko had that. Neoko had that title and vacated. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with uh, with Miss Amanda Serrano, her quest for a seventh title in as many divisions. Now we move on a little bit to a, a little bit of fight chatter. And one thing that was done this last weekend at the big boxing palooza in Las Vegas was that Cecilia Breakhouse, the arguably number one pound for pound fighter in the world, but not there's no argument that she is the unified and undisputed welterweight champion, was giving the first ever female ring magazine belt. Was there a ceremony, David, or they just did it? And, and if they did, were you present? Uh, no, I wasn't present because that's the rival publication and we work for the prize fighter. Ah, okay, I I understand. And then, and did you get a chance to speak to Layla MacArthur? She lives in Vegas. And did you get a chance to speak to her during the weekend? Uh, no, I didn't. I really didn't get to see Layla. I did speak to Cecilia uh, before uh, last weekend, because uh, uh, we met in a lunch in Los Angeles, and she basically told us uh, her plans for uh, what's coming up. She's looking for the biggest fight. Uh, she wants. She wants. She doesn't really care about um, just fighting 
fighter. She wants a mega fight. That's what she wants. Mm. Any fight that brings her a mega fight, and preferably in Los Angeles or Las Vegas or New York. That's what she wants. So it sounds to me, without saying much, that she's looking for that cyborg fight. Well, Cyborg can't fight for a couple of years, well, more than a year, because she's on contract, and they won't let mm. her fight until those two fights. So she's out of the way. She needs, she's she's going to fight in boxing before she fights Cyborg. Probably mm. one, two, or maybe even three more fights. So what's a mega fight in boxing for, for Cecilia well, Brickhouse? The names thrown out there are Amanda Serrano, um, Layla McCarter's still out there. Um, also, uh, Kelly Reese. Um, and maybe even... Uh, uh, there's somebody else. I think it was Christina Hammer or Clarissa Shields. Mm. Uh, no. Some of those names. Some of those names were bandied about. But I think the one that popped up first uh, recently was Amanda Serrano. Okay. Now they did have they did have a little bit of a back and forth after Amanda Serrano won that title. They did have a little bit of back and forth on Instagram between Amanda Serrano and Cecilia Breakhouse, and they're very respectful of each other. And they basically agreed that you know they wanted to fight each other, but you know they could agree to fight each other, go out for coffee, go out to dinner. But if there isn't a contract uh, in between them, there's really nothing going to happen. Yeah, it's all about the money. They want that offer that, you know, makes it worth it. And mm-hmm. uh, that would take somebody like a Showtime, an HBO, or ESPN, or somebody that comes up with the money. At yeah. least I would see the budget being a minimum of 200000 mm. And now lastly, uh, in our fight news uh, section here, Tasha Jones, uh, an English fighter, if you guys are not too familiar with her, I think she was an Olympian for uh, the UK. She signs with uh, MTK uh, Global, and if you don't know who MTK Global is, it stands for Mac the Knife, and it's um, I forgot his name. Is it Martin Murray? Martin Murray's a fighter? It's him and a group of of, uh, investors, and they're uh, yeah, the middleweight, they're a, they're a managerial firm, and they're starting to pick up a lot of fighters um, in the U.K., signing a lot of the U.K. talent, and it looks like they just signed Miss Tasha Jones. They're going to help her to uh, reach the the next level. So that's a little bit of news for you guys, and we expect for Tasha Jones to get a little bit more of a profile because as of right now, the even though there's a number of uh, female British fighters or even uh, – I mean, she's not British, she's from Ireland, but it's right next door. I mean, we have Katie Taylor, we have Savannah Marshall, who was signed to Mayweather Promotions, and she ended up getting released from there. We have Tasha Jones, we have um, uh, Nicola Adams. Adams. Nicola Adams is going to be fighting for a WBO title in October. So there is quite a number of them, but they haven't been getting the exposure that Katie Taylor has gotten. Nicola Adams has gotten some exposure. Savannah Marshall is starting to get some exposure. And Tasha Jones has fought uh, and gotten some exposure, but not to the level of Miss Katie Jones. So uh, we expect her to I mean, maybe not reach that level, but at least get a little bit more now that she's signed to a very uh, prominent manager out there in the U.K. So we got less than half an hour to go here on the two-minute round, your hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world. So we're going to take that time to go over the upcoming calendar, which is quite interesting, especially tomorrow, 
Saturday, September 20th. I'm sorry, on Saturday, tomorrow's Friday, Saturday, September 22nd, we have uh, quite a number of very interesting fights. Two of them are world title fights. One of them is a regional title. So starting uh, from the Solidar Arena in Monterrey, Mexico, this fight's going to be broadcast in Mexico live on the Azteca channel. Areli Muncino will be defending her WBO 112-pound title for the first time against former four-time title challenger Maria Polvorita Salinas. That's a 10-rounder. And as you all know, Areli Muncino captured this title back in February, and she became the first Mexican female fighter to at one time or another hold all four major sanctioning body titles in a weight division being 112 t- uh, pounds. She's been the WBC, IBF, WBA champion, and now she's the WBO champion. She's going to be defending that title for the first time. Also, on the competing network, so once again, in Mexico, it happens all the time. It happens two or three times a year, if not more, on both terrestrial major networks, imagine NBC and ABC in the United States, on Saturday night prime time, they have boxing, and both on both channels, the main event is going to be female fights. So that is something that doesn't happen anywhere in the world, I, I might imagine. I mean, you have female boxing on TV in Germany. You have female boxing on TV in Argentina, which are, well, along with Mexico, the three countries that have the most amount of female fights. But I'm almost 100% sure that Argentina and Germany do not have the two competing major terrestrial networks of the country going with main events, female boxing main events on their TV channels. So that is quite impressive, yeah. isn't it? Quite impressive. So, well, yeah. Go ahead, David. Uh, yeah, I only wish that it would happen in the U.S. Yeah, if it happens, I mean, forget terrestrial, forget NBC, let it happen on any network. Let them, don't even, <laughs> let, let's not even get crazy and ask that for them to compete against each other. Just have female fights on the major networks, on HBO, on, on Showtime. I mean, we've had them, but it's not something that is regular. I mean, the only one that I've seen on Showtime is Clarissa Shu. So she's fighting two or three times a, a year. We had one fight in the almost 40 years of HBO boxing. We had one female fight, which was back in May with Cecilia Breakhouse and Callie Reese. ESPN just had, although they've had ESPN Plus and they've had them on the other ESPN platforms, this is the first time in, I thought it was 14 years. Franchon Cruz mentioned 17 yeah, 14 years. years. Yeah, 14, uh, 14 years, years. where they, where they show a world title fight, a female world title fight on ESPN. So, Let's let's not get crazy and ask them to do the same thing Mexico's doing, but at least just show a little <laughs> bit more female boxing. Now, well, we might have more. I mean, obviously ESPN Plus, and, and they also show Michaela Mayer. Um, the Zone, which is starting up this uh, this week, is gonna. I'm sure they're gonna show Katie Taylor on there, and quite possibly some other fighters out of the UK. So we might start getting a little bit more, but obviously it doesn't match up what. Mexico has been doing and is doing. But the other fight that's going to be uh, broadcast on Televisa, Promociones del Pueblo, gives us from Cancun, Mexico, the rematch between Esmeralda Moreno, the WBC 108-pound champion, against Yesenia Gomez. They fought to a hard-fought draw earlier this year, and now they're meeting again to see who is going to be the winner of that fight, Moreno going to the hometown of Gomez of Cancun, Mexico. Now, the same night, not going to be televised, but Mayweather Promotions from Sandstown in Las Vegas gives us the second fight of a return of Ava Knight against Nancy Franco, Mexican tough 
uh, veteran and a six-rounder, 112 pounds. And from the Waterburger Stadium in Corpus Christi, California, Texas, not on TV either. Hopefully, there's some kind of stream on Facebook, but we're going to see Selena Barrios, who scored a, a devastating knockout of Aida Satibaldinova in her last fight, will be facing Patricia Juarez, who is the older sister. Is she older? No, she's a little younger. A uh, middle, middle sister. She's middle. So it's Mariana Barbie Juarez, the oldest. It's Patricia Juarez yes. in the middle. And then it's Lourdes Juarez in, in uh, uh, the youngest. Now, you probably haven't heard yeah. of Patricia Juarez. She's not, she doesn't live in Mexico City. She lives in Colorado. And she's been training and living out of Colorado. And she is going to be going down. She's actually now in Texas already. I saw it on social media. She's now in Texas. Um, for Selena Barrios, and that's for the NABF 135-pound title. Mr. David Avila had a chance to speak to uh, uh, both fighters, I believe, and he's going to be putting yes. a preview out on the prizefighters.com. My preview, I spoke to Arely Monsigno of, uh, of that fight coming out uh, hopefully by tomorrow, and my preview is Veralda Moreno coming out tomorrow as well on the prizefighters.com, your all-female boxing website. Now we move on. So they to actually Saturday. should be out tonight. Tonight, David's gonna burn the midnight oil and put them out tonight. So uh, Look for those Saturday, stories. yeah, Saturday, September 29th from Sao Paulo, Brazil, the WBO 135-pound champion Rose Volante will be facing defending against Jolie's Marugo Franco in Nova Scotia, Canada. David Helen Joseph against Maria Jose Nunez in a 10-rounder, 118 pounds. While also the return of Chevelle Hellback, she already fought once after a year hiatus, more than a year, couple year hiatus, and she's going against the all the ever dangerous Tiffany Bess Anderson in a ten rounder at 147 pounds. In Vienne, France, on Saturday, September 29th, Anne Sophie Da Costa will be facing Kriti Colompar in a six rounder at 108 pounds. Now, in Tijuana, Mexico, David, the return of Aida Satibadoa, mentioned a couple of seconds ago, she was the uh, victim of a devastating knockout by Selena Barrios. She'll be facing Veronica Valtierra in a six-rounder, David, at 135 pounds. Now, the only thing about this fight, David, I did a little bit of research. Satibadoa has, like, less than five fights. Veronica Valtierra has one loss. She's only fought one time. And it was at 110 pounds, David. And it looks like now she'll be going up to 135 pounds to face the hard-charging Saldivaldoa. So we got to cross our fingers and knock on wood that nothing crazy happens in that fight. Um, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. On Saturday, September 29th, at the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York, Melissa St. Bill will be facing Mayra Hernandez in an A-rounder at 126 pounds. There's no TV for that, but maybe Debella puts it on some kind of stream. And lastly, on Sunday, September 30th, from the Royal Nightclub in Boston, Massachusetts, Rosalinda Rodriguez will be facing Martina Horgas in a six-rounder at Bantamweight. It's not for the NABF title that she had won uh, some fights ago, so I don't even know if she's still holding that title. Very hard to hold those those titles when uh, you're having trouble defending them. So our next show is on October 4th. We'll be talking about all these fights, any other female boxing news that might come up. If you have a chance, look for a stream for that Esmeralda Moreno, Jesenia Gomez fight. That's going to be a, a barn burner. And I think that Selena Barrios against Patricia Juarez is going to be a good fight as well, David. 
Yeah, those are two very, very good fights. Um, in fact, the Ava Knight, uh, Nancy Franco could be a good one, too. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So with that said, David, go ahead. Oh, and also Barrios and Pati Juarez. That's a good fight, too. Yep. So yeah. there's about four really good fights. Yeah, so we'll be talking about all those fights in our next show scheduled for October 4th here on the two-minute round every other Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. And, David, uh, let's bid good night. Good night.